Welcome to Kindred, hosted by me, Kate, and my sister, Jen. In this podcast, we explore our human relationship to the natural world. In connecting to this planet, we also connect to understanding, compassion, and empathy. How can we see ourselves as not separate or above animals in nature, but a critical and integrated part of an active ecosystem? Through conversations with animal advocates, scientists, conservationists, and many others, we look to inspire a new awareness of how and why we connect to animals in nature in order to repair and restore our relationship to the natural world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kindred. How are you today, Jenny? You seem very close yet so far away because I'm recording in England today. How fancy. Yeah. And you are actually colder than I am today. I am. So that's I am colder than you are. Um, that is for sure. And which is interesting because England's a little warmer usually, but got a little snow flurry. So it's been very festive. It's feeling very um, getting me into the holiday mood, which is lovely. It's nice to have some winter, actually. I'm loving it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All good. Um, so just a little PSA. I wanted to quick talk about subscriptions. And really what I wanted to point out was... We offer with subscriptions before you actually sign up for them a free trial week. So that's oh. when you, you can either like sign up for a year, like pay for the year, pay for the month, and that says right next to it free trial. So give it a go, a try, a trial run, as they say. I would, I think it's totally worth it, especially because for a week it would be free. So I mean, Jennifer, what do you have to lose? Tell me. Can you think of one reason not to? No, because then you get you get to see what the VIPs, how the VIPs live and get in there. Oh, yeah. We are vipping all the time, you and me. Let me tell you. Yeah. So I just think it's a great way to see if you really would like to to sign up. And I feel like how can you not when you try? So try the free trial. Give it a try. A trial a go. So thank you everybody for your already support. Um, And also I just wanted to remind people, which I do every time, but if you're on Facebook and Instagram, definitely follow us. We have lots of good content there as well. Um, So XOXO is what I literally have written here. So I'm just going to read that part. So how are people feeling? I feel like there's a, a lot of hard stuff happening and it's made me think a lot about how in the midst of turmoil and uncertainty, what can we access in support of balance and empathy and what I call a feeling of above water. Um, I just was thinking about like, what can we do like day to day? Um, You know, then other things like, like therapy, right? Which is everyone should have it and it's fantastic. Yes, for sure. Another PSA. But, you know, I just think, just thinking a lot about what we can, we can do out of our own homes. And, you know, I know we're very animal and nature focused, but of course there's that human component. And because it's all about how can we better connect to and understand more and feel a part of our landscapes and ecosystems and nature. And you know, we we do this so that we can support the health of not only our planet, but ourselves. Um, 
So I've just been thinking a lot about that. And so today I feel really grateful that we are going to do exactly that. Um, learn how through nature we can be healthier in mind and body. So let's introduce you to our guest today. Um, today we are speaking with psychologist Jill Suddy, a staff writer and contributing editor for Greater Good Magazine, which is a publication from the Greater Good, uh, the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California at Berkeley. Um, and Jill's focus and love of nature has led her to write and publish articles and book reviews on topics such as compassion, mindfulness, resilience, awe, altruism, happiness, cooperation, and purpose. And she also writes about the impacts of racial bias, technology, nature, music, and social, pol social policy on an individual mental health um, on individual mental health relationships and society. So, and I got a bit of that from uh, her bio from the Greater Good website, which is greatergood.berkeley.edu. Um, so two reasons we wanted to speak with Jill today. One, we wanted to know why nature or being out in nature gives us a higher level of mental and physical health and how nature does this. Um, literally what are the physical and mental effects and therefore benefits of spending time in nature. Um, and there are a few things Jill taught us that blew my mind and I, I guess put language to things I'd often wondered about. Um, and we're so grateful for her time and speaking with us today. It, it, it really just cemented so clearly because we often talk about oh, it's good to take a walk, but I really wanted to know like, okay, but how does that transmit to my brain, right? right? right. I mean, what's it doing to my heart rate? What's it doing to my other parts? So um, yeah, fantastic. And we're so appreciative of her, of her time today. So let's head out into our conversation with Jill Suddy and steep in the power of nature. And we'll see you at the takeaway. Welcome to Kindred, and thanks so much for joining us today. Um, would you please introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Well, hello, everyone, and thanks for having me on. That's really nice. I'm a staff writer and contributing editor at Greater Good Magazine, which is a publication of the University of California, Berkeley. And basically what I do is keep on top of the social and psychological research related to what I would call human flourishing, um, increasing personal and societal well-being by nurturing positive emotion and pro-social behavior. So I read a lot of science and then I translate that. And I actually interview a lot of researchers also. And then I try to translate that all into to articles that a lay audience can read and glean important tips for their own lives. And also to not just to uh, help themselves, but to help the people around them. So for example, their families, um, schools, uh, organizations they work in, or just are part of communities, all of that. 
So um, I don't know if you know what I mean by positive emotion and prosocial behavior, but things like compassion, resilience, humility, um, gratitude, Great. empathy, kindness, those kinds of things. So our goal overall is to uh, look at the connections between societal and personal well-being and try to promote that as much as possible. Well, boy, those words you just used. I mean, don't we need that more than anything right now? Um, so did you start out in psychology? I did. My background is as a psychologist. I did not practice for long in, in private practice. I ended up uh, shifting pretty quickly into this work. Um, I've been writing for greater good for about 18 years now, um, almost from its founding. Amazing. And uh, I'm just you know, always been fascinated in this idea of, you know, not just helping people um, be cured or um, be mental uh, pathology or be mentally more healthy, but also um, how we could maybe prevent people from having mental disorders like depression, anxiety, ADHD, things like that. Um, So that's, that's my background. That's fantastic. That's so great. Um, so, you know, Jill, it's like, it's interesting these days you, you and you're, you're touching on this already, but you know, we've been hearing more and more about the physical and mental health uh, benefits of being in nature and, you know, about positive impacts of green spaces and communities and how, you know, petting your dog or cat can lower your blood, blood pressure and forest bathing and, you know, just a lot of different new kind of trends to, to me and Talk to us a little bit about what is driving this new research in your world of psychology. Well, you know, psychologists are always interested in figuring out how to make people better, basically. And um, and again, I think there's a lot of recognition that it's not just about what's happening inside of you, but the context in which you find yourself. And I mean by that, that pretty broadly, not just um, not just nature, although nature is part of that, but also our social um, milieu. You know where the the context of our lives, where we're where we are at work, um, what city, what the cities are like where we live, our neighborhoods, what they're like, and um, so we're looking at social built environments, but also, of course the natural world, which we're all a part of. So how do all those things influence our well-being? So the science comes out of that. And, and of course, what, as you said, what we're finding is that contact with nature, I mean, very broadly speaking, is really good for our well-being. You know, it helps us feel happier, more socially connected. It helps us think better, um, helps us be able to function better in the world and be physically healthier. So. Um, all this research on nature is important to know about if we want to have, you know, improve people's well-being. And, you know, we saw that so clearly during COVID, right? Yes. A lot of us were inside a lot of the time, depending where you live, of course. Right, right. um, You know, we didn't have that social contact that we so dearly need. And we also, many of us were, didn't feel like we could go outside mm-hmm. or be out in the world that much. And so right. you can see from the research that that had impacts on people's well-being. And we saw a big dip in a lot of people's um, mental health during COVID. 
and those who were who were able to access nature and i mean that again kind of broadly like even you know having windows to the outside having a garden in your backyard or you know, being able to walk along in a park somewhere right. in fact i think for a lot of people it uh, the ability to access nature was a lifeline during that time absolutely and actually able to do fare a lot better yeah um I mean, so, I know, I know it was for us. I mean, this is where, this is when the idea of starting the Kindred podcast started. And I, I worked on this and taught, called my sister and said, Hey, guess what? You're going to be a co-host on a podcast about reconnecting to the animals and nature after like when the pandemic began. And, and I love what you said about, you know, de COVID depending on where you live, that that's a big part of it, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I had a colleague who, you know, lives in Toronto and is was at the top of an apartment building and you know you just don't have the same kind of access and especially if you don't want to get in an elevator with right. people at that time so it really impacts your well-being a lot I mean you also touched on you know petting animals your pets or whatever I actually wrote an article about that uh, when during the COVID pandemic because you know there was evidence that people are actually uh, you know, there's a huge increase in the number of people who were adopting pets because yeah, yes. they recognized like having that connection to an animal was helpful to them. It helped soothe them mm -hmm. during this time. And they and it also, I think, not wasn't just because, well, we feel more soothed in that in that space, but also because you're caring for something else. So there's a little less self-focus. Exactly. Yeah. Something That's to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that. I feel is another benefit of being in nature, um, having connection with animals is that when we can take the focus a little bit off of ourselves, right. um, then we tend to have better social connection with other people. We tend to care more about the world at large. Um, yeah, and right. And I think, haven't we all experienced, at least I'll speak for myself, too much focus on yourself and uh, just constantly thinking about how you're feeling and how you're doing is very anxiety producing, actually. <laughs> it's not healthy to have that much. Yeah. So we need other things to like distract us, like a pet that needs something is was great. I mean, I, yeah, I, I and I think so many people that don't normally rely on nature to be part of their mental health realized that, oh, I'm going to lose it if I don't get outside, you know, kind of thing. Like, it, it was sort of surprising to them. Like people, there are a lot of people who already sort of have that built in, but I think there were a lot of people who just realized how vital it was during COVID. And do you think that climate change has anything to do with this sort of so, sort of movement toward reconnecting to nature? Um, probably. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, like I said, I think psychologists think a lot about personal well-being, but definitely it's in the back of my mind right. that you know, this is part of the issue too, or part of the interest in trying to pursue this is to make people realize, hey, you know, we are an integral part of nature. We are not separate. What we do influences the natural world and vice versa. Same, similarly, the social world, what we do in our social world affects us and the people around us. So it's all, you know, part and parcel, the same system. You know, we yeah. live in an environment and the environment influences us. And so if we are, you know, harming our 
our environment it affects us. Obviously, we've seen that. You know, it's affecting us socially as well because there's more fires, more devastating wildfires, more flooding, um, more displaced people, more areas that where you can't grow food because it's become too arid. So obviously, it's all connected. And I think there is. I mean, part of what this research shows is that it is important for us to have that connection to nature. And also what's kind of interesting, I mean, this is a whole nother line of research that I've followed a little bit is how much having more of a connection to nature influences your personal behavior and your commitment to trying to uh, in, in, you know, reduce your own carbon footprint or um, support environmental protection, that kind of thing. So that makes sense to me. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. You recognize that you have a personal relationship with the planet at large. You want to do something to keep it safe and healthy. So, right. right. So let's just, let's kind of dig in here because I feel like, you know, so we're here to talk about, you know, what we're talking about, like nature has all the good vibes and when we access them, we're healthier mentally and physically. So, but I really want to sort of break down, what does that actually mean, right? Like if we break down for us, what is happening in our brains and, and our bodies, like how that translates to our bodies when we're out in nature? Okay, well, I would say very broadly speaking, you know, being in nature is soothing to our nervous system. So, um, if you ex are in a natural environment, it tends to turn down your sympathetic nervous system and turn on your parasympathetic nervous system. Well, the, you know, the um, sympathetic nervous system is the one you need when you're under threat or there's danger around you. So okay. that's a sympathetic. Okay. So like fight, flight, or freeze type thing. Exactly. So when your brain recognizes there's a threat, um, it's, it sends signals down to your heart and your gut. And it basically makes your heart speed up. It sends blood more to the periphery of your body. It um, takes it away from the digestive system, the kind of resting state, and so that you're prepared to fight or flee or do whatever you need to do. So the problem is, is that it does that whenever you feel threat, whether or not the threat is real. So for example, um, you know, there's a physical danger if you happen to come across a predator and you want that sympathetic nervous system to kick in so you can fight or flee. Right. But um, it also kicks in if you do non-threatening things like, you know, you have a work deadline and you're feeling very pressed to meet it, or you're doing public speaking, your right. sympathetic nervous system is going to send more, uh, you know, energy to your heart, make it pump faster. And, and that's fine if it's just when you need it. But the problem is, is that it makes you vigilant. Um, and it tends for some people it's on a lot. I mean, I think in our modern urban world, anyway, it's on quite a bit, uh, yeah. all the time almost. And it's very hard on the body when the sympathetic nervous system is kicking in constantly. So having the ability to kind of like tone it down through the pair, you know, activation of the other system, the parasympathetic nervous system, which kind of does the opposite. It tells, you know, it, it slows down the heart. It um, allows blood to come back into the center, you know, and how it's the experience is that you feel calmer, more relaxed, more centered. 
Um, so that's generally speaking what nature does. I mean, I, I have seen studies on other kinds of ways nature influences our brains. For example, there was a study I wrote about at one point where they found that, you know, they they hooked up electrodes <laughs> to people and had them walk through urban and green spaces and they saw how the brain changed. There were these, they called them alpha and theta brain waves tended to synchronize when they were in nature. Okay. And I think that the overall feeling is something similar. It helps calm you, makes you more kind of mindful, like present tense. So, so there's that kind of thing. And then, you know, we at Greater Good, we've, you know, our faculty founder studies the science of awe. And when you're in nature, you don't always feel awe all the time, <laughs> but you can. I mean, it is one of the common ways people access that emotion and that emotion, that sense of wonder and being kind of feeling like a smaller part of a greater whole has all of these effects on us. Um, but in the brain, what it does, one of the things it does besides kick in the parasympathetic nervous system, it also seems to uh, decrease activity in the default network of the brain. So the default network is the part of your brain that's sort of functioning behind the scenes when you're not doing something actively or you're not actively concentrating, doing a task. It sort of runs in the background, trying to process what's happening in your life. Like, oh, maybe you had an argument with somebody in the morning and it's sort of busy, like processing that. What do I need to do? Blah, blah, blah. It's very self-referential. And so and when you feel- Sorry, just, a, and this is part of the parasympathetic that this is working in. No, no, it's the default network of the brain. Okay, so it's called the default network. Interesting, okay. And um, you'll see research about the default network. Um, it's kind of an interesting part of us. It, it was kind of discovered accidentally because people were seeing, oh, the brain is still active even when you're not doing anything. And that's what they think is it's like processing information and, and you oh, know, behind wait, the scenes. I just want to pause on that because this is new to me. Um, have you heard about this, Jen? This is new. I, no, just... I haven't heard it in terms of that, but I think it might be like what um we used to refer to as like the monkey mind in yoga like the the, the oh, chatter yeah. like I think it's why people meditate is to just try to quiet that part of the brain I'm exactly. guessing. I think it's it's the inner chatter that we have and it's very it's often very self-focused you know yeah. trying to figure out what's happening in the world and how it relates to me and so if you're feeling awe and you're feeling like this kind of smaller self in a way uh it tends to let that part of the brain relax a little bit um it's so less, and you become a little less egocentric. And so that has influences also on, especially I would say our social well-being, but also our personal well-being. And so that's part of like that inner dialogue that can kind of be running, like you're saying, it's like your computer engine just sort of like low key going. This is all, see, this is why this is so important to break this stuff down because it really does help us understand that there are real actual neurological things happening in our brain and chemical things happening in our brain and what we can do to support, you know, like the parasympathetic or the vagus nerve. Right. So um, yeah, really interesting. Okay. Continue. I'm just letting this really sink in. I realized I didn't really talk about the vagal nerve. I mean, the vagal nerve is part, it's just a nerve that runs between the brain and the heart and the gut. So it's part of the parasympathetic nervous system. It helps like regulate our react, you know, our recovery from stress basically is a nerve that goes from your brain through your heart to your digestion like that also is like that's important for us to know these things right and then 
Yeah. So incredible. So yes, continue, please. Well, that's, uh, that's basically what I was going to say about the vagal nerve is that it's, it's better toned. It can respond more appropriately um, to, to tone down stress when it's not needed anymore. Yeah. You know, the other thing I was going to say about the default network and just sort of being less self-referential, you know, one of the big, um, as a psychologist, I'm <laughs> interested in this, you know, one of the big uh, issues with ruminating, you know, kind of spinning thoughts in your mind over and over, it's tied to depression. So, right. and there have been experiments showing that a difference in people like passing through a more urban environment versus a more natural environment, having less rumination, which is is big because it can really help fight depression. So, and it's not just about the exercise because they actually compare, I mean, exercise is also great for well-being, right? It's, it's, there's something about being in nature that actually probably through this, through this, it decouples that part of your brain a little bit. It relaxes it a little bit. So you don't ruminate quite so much generally when you're in nature. I'm not saying it's universal, you know, science is always about averages and how it affects people generally, but of course. Right. Well, and so that makes me want to, you know, jump to our next question. What, what does all this mean in terms of experiencing natural world, right? Like, how does this translate to our mental health being out in nature? And, you know, what role does experiencing nature play in our lives in a very real way then? Well, um, I wrote an article for Greater Good about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago about how being in nature makes us kinder, happier, and more creative. And I feel like that's pretty good shorthand <laughs> for what it does um, because there are these different effects. I mean, in terms of being happier, just like I mentioned, you know, the idea of not ruminating so much, not being quite so self-focused, being calmer. Uh, when when we spend time in nature, uh, being able to tone down our stress response better after we're stressed or angry or whatever's kind of making it kick in, that's good for our mental health. So we feel happier when we're in nature. Um, and that's not just good for our mental health, of course, because that influences our physical health too. Uh, chronic high heart rate going, it's just, right. it's not good for us. It leads to all these other problems. So, and stress is one of, you know, not responding well to stress. We need stress, but not responding well to it is, is not good for health in the long term. Right. Um, so, you know, how does it make us kinder? Um, well, that may have to do with just being more relaxed too. We're just not so vigilant. Um, when we don't have to be vigilant, we can be more open to feelings of connection and warmth. Um, and it also probably has to do with that feeling of awe that I described earlier, when you feel part of something more connected to a larger world, less self-interested, that helps you be kinder or more uh, connected to the people around you. And they've done research to show this. I mean, I don't know how much you want to hear about specific studies, but for example, you know, there have been many studies where they induce people to feel awe in some way. And a lot of those ways are watching nature videos or um, for, or looking up into a grove of trees. In fact, right. that was done in Berkeley. You know, you, they had people look up at a grove of trees and compared them to people looking up at a tall building. 
happening. So both looking up for like five minutes, I think it was. Um, and then they tested how generous these people were or how helpful these people were by having a research assistant um, whose arms were full of stuff sort of pretend to drop a bunch of pencils and they just looked at how many people got up to help them and the people looking up at the trees helped them more than the people looking up at the building so wow. there was something about feeling that kind of like be that natural that awe from looking at beautiful or inspiring nature makes us also be kinder want to help people more actually act more ethically they've also done experiments like that um more generously so there's now we're talking about like connecting to each other and then empathy this is what these are conjuring in us is, is these images that is and that's incredible yeah and it's more about you know not being so self-focused i guess you're more open to seeing what's going on around you and and that helps i mean i also you know why does it make us more creative um i mean i think part of it is that there is this way that being in nature helps restore they, they call it attention restoration you know we live in a world where there's a lot of stimulation all of the time i mean especially if you work on a computer a lot or um you know, you're in a very hectic work environment, your brain is like constantly working, working, working. And of course, in our modern world, a lot of us are pretty stuck on our devices and pretty oh, uh, yeah. stuck on the media and all that, right? Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. And there, and those uh, companies that, you know, own those devices are constantly trying to keep our attention on those devices. So, so what happens is we're not designed for that. You know, we, yeah. we need breaks from having to be constantly on all, all the time. And so being in nature helps with that. Uh, it helps what they, they call it, like I said, attention restoration. It, it means it gives your brain a little bit of a break. Yeah. And, and then you come back from that more refreshed. So again, um, I want to just pause one second because you just said something that I really do want to just sort of take a moment there. You said we're not designed for that, right? Like we are designed of out of nature. And it's not that being on your phone and all these things are bad, right? But the fact that that that, that is incredible. I love that line that we're not designed for that much of that, right? We're not really designed. We're not designed to multitask, even though many of us think that we do that very effectively. The research shows, no, you don't. <laughs> your right. brain quickly flipping back and forth between activities is actually pretty inefficient. So, yeah. you know, well, and I, thought, I think it's an interesting term you use too, attention restoration, because yeah. uh, attention deficit, we all get that, but how do then, how do you restore your attention? And it's just a really fascinating uh, thing to think about that there's an opposite of attention deficit. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's such a good point. Attention restoration, right? Yeah. I'm, oh, I love, I'm loving this. This is incredible. Yeah. All right, keep and going. Yeah. That too, about the, you know, if you think about your own, I mean, many people say, right, they go, you know, they work, 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 and then they go take a hot shower or something where they're not really thinking about what they were just doing. And suddenly it all pops into place. You know, you get your greatest insights. That's right. That's yes. right. You're kind of offline. Like so many great ideas. Well, I don't know if they're great, but I sure think they are in the shower. Like amazing. <laughs> Exactly. And I think sort of the same thing happens in nature. You let your mind rest a little bit and 
And then stuff starts popping up. And again, they have done studies like taking people out into the wilderness before and after they measure like how well they solve certain problems and they find, oh, they do it a lot better after they've mm. had this break and just like been off of screens, been like not having to attend so much all the time, not being overstimulated. It just helps them think better. And so that's, the, I would say those are some of the main benefits of being in nature, so. Well, that, those are just a couple new ideas that I'm like so blown away by. So I did wanna sort of like, let's talk about, and we touched on this, like what if we don't have a lot of, a lot or any access to outdoors, like within the framework we're talking about, like how, how often do we need these experiences? And you were talking about just the picture and what that was doing, like looking at uh, trees as opposed to a building, but like how often, I mean, what, what do I, I understand the actual benefit, but what if you don't have that access, like on a daily basis or a weekly basis or a monthly basis, like what can we do? Well, I can't really speak exactly to how often you need to do it to get the benefits. A lot of the studies are like one-offs, you know, you go out, you put somebody in nature, you measure them before and after, compare them to somebody who isn't in nature, and then you see these benefits and they're pretty short-term um, exposures. Um, but there is also research looking at having access to green space and um, having access more regularly, like looking at neighborhoods and how much greenery they have around them. They find that if there are trees or parks or things like that in the neighborhood, um, those neighborhoods are healthier in many ways. They're friendlier. There's less depression. There's less crime. There's more. Right. I. I. Uh, that's right. I. I remember talking to somebody who was, um, works in Philadelphia planting trees. Then they like the, the, they they can they can track the crime in the neighborhoods where they plant trees is less because people are less angry. People are you know there's more oxygen. There's all these things, and it's just like there's actually studies that that show that it's not just oh, well, people will be happier. And that yeah, was fascinating. Concrete, yep. Mm -hmm. And again, that's kind of that social benefit of yeah. being exactly. nature. Yeah. And so it's, it's it's clearly good for our social well-being. And so, yeah, having access is, is important. I mean, there've also been studies around schools, you know, how close they are to greenery too and how well it helps children uh, concentrate and learn and that kind of thing. So there's definitely positives having access is important, but I should also say, uh, not everybody, as you said, not everybody has that access. And there is some hope in the fact that you can also access some of these benefits without directly being in nature. I mean, a lot of the ex experimental work has been done with videos, for example, nature videos, right. just inspiring feelings of awe and wonder, and that can have positive benefits for people there have been studies of like workplaces and whether or not you're near light sunlight natural light or have plants in your office or things like that and uh, you know probably the effects are not as strong but they're there so mm -hmm. and we talked about having a pet you know we had to do that during covid and we had to be inside a lot um, right. you, you can still access some of the benefits if you don't have access to you know capital n nature if you will well, yeah. yeah and we yeah go ahead oh i just was noticing recently when i had to be in a local hospital uh to 
uh, with my mom and just like walking down the corridors in the hospitals and they have nature pictures a lot of times now. And I just thought, isn't that fascinating? That's not, I'm sure by accident. I'm sure that's all part of these studies that are happening that just walking by a beautiful scenery or an underwater scenery or whatever is soothing for people's nervous systems at a time when you can be extra stressed, which I thought was really actually interesting. Um, an interesting thing too. It's got to be related to all this. Yeah, and sure. I have it in my dentist's office. They have nature photos when you're lying down flat, you know, to yeah. try to relax your nervous system. Yeah. And I think it's also of all things. I mean, I do think that's why doctors also have tend to have more green scrubs these days than white scrubs. Uh, um, yeah. And there have been studies looking at how people recover when they're in the hospital, depending on whether or not they have a view out to nature or not. Wow. Um, so it, it does make a difference. It soothes our nervous system. And I think that's just important to healing yeah. in life in general, but definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we did a whole episode um, with uh, Matt Rader, the president of Pennsylvania Horticultural Society, and just all about green spaces and how, you know, this movement is is so powerful within cities to create what you were saying, like the, and Jen was saying about planting trees and they're taking it above and beyond all that. And then we did um, we did another episode with Wallace J. Nichols, who's a marine biologist, and he wrote a book called uh, Blue Mind. And it's all about water in cities. And he talked a lot about, you know, because um, we talked a lot about not having access. And it's like, well, if there's fountains and there's a lot of times there's rivers running through, like finding that access wherever and whenever you can. But it's helpful to know that videos and photographs and the sound of water, like maybe on an app or something, is also triggering to what we were talking about with the parasympathetic nervous system. I mean, that's good to know that, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and although in another way, I feel like some of the research that I cover is a little reductionist, you know? <laughs> I mean, yes. because- I understand. Uh, yep, I get that. Most looking at- nature like in the in the way that it impacts us and um you know not looking about the whole symbiotic relationship and I, I I mean I I'm glad that there are these effects but I also feel like you know we have a lot of if you I think it was just last year or something it the world population uh met this new standard I think it was uh, like more than 50 percent of people live in cities you know it mm -hmm. used to be not so many people lived in cities. And now there's been this huge migration to cities. And so we're living in these more packed, dense places, a lot of which are not designed necessarily to keep nature nearby or natural elements nearby. So I do think it's important to try to increase access to green space and, and not just say, oh, it's, it's great if you watch a nature video. I mean, it might inspire you for sure but and might help you feel better but I do think that message of trying to get natural elements nature more in the spaces we live is important too I mean you talked about Philadelphia I actually covered a study by somebody who wasn't looking at crime but was looking at um uh, mental health in Philadelphia and um I don't remember the researcher's name unfortunately but she had done the study where they took these vacant lots and they, some of them, they just left as is all around the city. Some they left as is, some they kind of cleaned up, like picked up the trash and did a little general maintenance, but nothing else. And the other one, they put green 
stuff in trees and grass, not a lot, but a little bit. And just that little bit, uh, then they compared like the mental health of people in these different neighborhoods before and after. And, and it was done blind. Like the people doing the uh, interviews did not know wow. about the study. Wow. Um, and, and, and they, I mean, the, the people who went and interviewed neighbors and stuff, and they found differences that they, those people were less depressed if they were near one of the greener parks. Amazing. So, you know, it's just so impactful on us yeah. that you don't want to just assume that we can, you know, uh, have an app or, 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 definitely there's no, yeah. Well, because there's right. all these other things, of course, tied to having green space. I mean, being out in nature, like you mentioned oxygen, right? Of course, trees provide oxygen, you know, there are microbes in the soils that, you know, Right. There are volatile chemicals that affect our well-being. And um, so, yeah, it's it's more, there are more benefits to being immersed in some way. Right. And I think, of course, we're not saying living in cities are, is bad. It just means that this is why this conversation is even more important. I mean, I, I love a city and I, and I also think like, it just, it does mean then let's understand what you need to balance that out as well. And if you live in the country and don't ever connect to humans, maybe you should go to the city more and connect to some people too. So that, you know, this kind of goes back and forth, but like, I think um, this is why for us, this conversation is really important, but I just want to sort of ask you, you know, from your perspective, um, from from everything we've been coming from what you come from and what we've been talking about why is this conversation important to you do you think like for us to have like what new awarenesses or connections can we gain about ourselves like in context to connecting to nature i think i kind of touched on it in the sense that you know nature isn't outside of us it's not something separate exactly even though we kind of study it that way sometimes as a variable <laughs> and how it impacts us um that it's we really have a symbiotic relationship with the natural world um and it's inseparable from us and the health of uh what we call the natural world is our health because we were we are reliant on it in so many ways to survive and and also you know clearly it's also beneficial for our mental health not just our physical health from all that we've been talking about. Right. So um, if you nurture your relationship with the natural world, you know, it's, it's good for all of us and it's good for the natural world too, because as I mentioned earlier, we tend to care more about its well-being um, if we have a connection to it and we recognize that connection. So um, yeah, I'm trying to think if I can say more about that. Um, no, I think that's actually beautifully said. And I think I love, you know, I love how you use the word symbiotic and, you know, it clearly nature gives us balance and connection and beauty and inspiration. You touched on awe and, you know, it, I think it's critical for us being mammals operating in these ecosystems and landscapes that we do often see ourselves outside of that. And I love what you're saying to, to, to sort of come back to, we aren't outside of it. We have, we are living in a, in an environment, an ecosystem that we can reconnect to and look at the benefits for us, like literally in our bodies and in our minds. Um, 
And I think like, you know, I was thinking about it. If you take a, if you take an eagle out of its environment and you stick them in a cage or a room, can you imagine what that does to that animal? And we can imagine that, right? And I think that sort of, it can't be an eagle anymore in the same way. And I feel like, I think I relate to that as just being a human, you know? I mean, when you and I were talking before this recording, we talked a little bit, I mentioned this book that I, sadly, I never read it, but I have read other work by the author, um, Franz Deval, who's a primatologist and studies animal behavior. But he wrote a book called something like, um, are we smart enough to know how smart animals are? And it is this idea of, we we anthropomorphize so much, you know, and we look so much at how the natural world compares to us or what we, again, what we call the natural world compares to us. Like, oh, animals are really smart because they can, they have self-recognition or they have a language or they can learn or they can predict or whatever. Um, and we don't recognize that they have adapted so well to their environment and they have all this intelligence that we can't really relate to. I mean, right. we kind of know, you know, dogs have the superior sense of smell or, you know, some, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's so fascinating to learn about that stuff because it puts us, it makes us more humble. I mean, we we realize we're not the center of the universe. Right, exactly. And yeah. that other beings live here and they have their own intelligence. And I, I, I just read this article not that long ago in the New York Times science section about how recently researchers realized that um, almost all animal mammals fluoresce you know we we have learned about some yes which was fascinating to me that's something i'd never heard before what so Give i mean the definition of what is what is that yeah, fluorescent? Yes. that means that if you put black light on them they emit these different colors um and you know like so there are animals i can't remember the ones that are well known that fluoresce but Those uh, jellyfish i think there's jellyfish that do that in the ocean they're, they're, not, mammals. Not, no, mammals. No, they're not mammals but yeah, there are mammals. Oh, but you're talking about a mammal that does that. Yeah, wow. Okay. Right. Yes, I, I, I think it might be. Oh gosh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be wrong if I try to guess which ones they are. But it's been known for a while that certain mammals do that. But then it was kind of discovered accidentally. Oh, there's a lot more mammals that do that than we realized. In fact, every mammal they tested. Wow. For- <laughs> and and, and it's sort of like this idea that oh, there's so much we don't know. Yeah, yeah. About uh, about life on the planet, and right. um, there's so much to appreciate about it. You know, one one thing I did do want to say that I didn't touch on before. I mentioned the benefits of feeling awe, and uh, of course, many of us, if we go somewhere that's incredibly beautiful, or we watch an incredibly starlit sky, and we contemplate the universe, we're going to feel that sense of awe and smallness. But you can also do that in a. You can also kind of get to that feeling in everyday life like you don't have to go to the Grand Canyon or you don't have to go to Yosemite even though I highly encourage you to go there if you can um you can also do it by just contemplating like the complexity of a beautiful flower you know yeah. I mean, if you think about how amazing the world is um in its smallest forms and the amount of diversity that there is in the world um yes. you can definitely have have access that sense of awe and that caring about the world at large yeah you just have to 
look outside of your own nose. I mean, that's part of it. It's just being aware that we aren't the center of everything, like you said, right? Yeah, we can find it all around. It just is we have to put a little effort into it sometimes. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And knowing that there's something to look for and why should we take the time to do that? I just think uh, that's a really good point. Well, Jill, thank you so much for this conversation. I have some notes. I mean, you know, I just, you've blown my mind out on a couple of things and I have some more research to do. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for an amazing conversation and reconnecting us to the natural world in a, in a very real concrete way. We so appreciate it. Well, thanks so much for letting me talk about this. It's a subject very near and dear to my heart. So well, it was really great. Yeah, really fascinating. Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Takeaway. Uh, three things I wanted to mention. Um, you know, when I was talking about in the intro, how I really wanted to know the physical like reaction that we were having. And then how was that sort of transferring into the mental space? And that's when she was talking about the parasympathetic, here we are. So the parasympathetic system, the sympathetic system, the vagus nerve, and you know, I was doing a little more research too, and just how these, the parasympathetic system is connected to the stomach and the intestines, the heart, the eyes, the pancreas, and just the fact that for someone who actually has some stomach issues too, like I know that getting yeah. out for a walk literally does, it's like, I say clear my mind or reset me, there is something where I feel my most healthy and kind of normal out. And I think um, it was just so great. Like you were just saying before we started recording, like it's science to, it's she's pulling out the science and speaking to these things. And now we can know the physical and mental benefits, right? right. I, it's just amazing. Right, it, right. I mean, we know the feelings that we have, but I that's one of my favorite things about talking to scientists. Uh, and you know very smart people is that they can explain why that's what right. you experience so it's like it's just like it just backs up it, which is so cool to me that science backs up these yeah. feelings which it's not i mean i guess it shouldn't be surprising but it always is like i, I already know. knew i felt better but now i know why yeah i just oh, love that no. there's something so validating about that yeah well we're such a weird species that we can have these things like so when she was talking about like we can have these things that operate we don't even know our, how little we know ourselves right. and then when she was talking about yeah. the default network remember i'd like really stop the whole thing yes. and be like, sorry what and yeah just the idea yeah. that um like like ruminating that's the default yeah. network is what holds yeah. ruminating space right. um yeah. which is so which is so um interesting too like to have again have words to go with it and it's so funny because i've been thinking a ton about that and with um boring uh aside but i've just been struggling with some insomnia for the past year and oh, just right, that yeah. i can feel my brain doing that when i wake up and if i can if i get into that rumination cycle yeah i can't fall back asleep and if i can keep myself out of it so i've been also thinking a lot about it and then huh. i opened my instagram the other day and this um functional medicine doctor who has books and he's a real smart guy named dr mark hyman had a post it doesn't 
It doesn't cite the study from what okay. I can say, but I'm just- We can find them on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it says a 2015 study showed that participants who went for a 90 minute walk in nature, as opposed to the same duration walk in the city, reported lower instances of rumination and showed a reduced amount of neural activity in areas of the brain linked to mood imbalances. And that just like, again, we know that's true, but just like there's a study that says, yeah, your moods are going to be more stable. And right. obviously not everyone can take a 90 minute walk in nature, right. but from our conversation with doc, um, with Jill, we also realized that even just looking at pictures of nature, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, or like I took a walk the other day was not really in, it was like all on paved roads, but there were piles of leaves and there's trees, trees. you know, trees. Yeah. Right. And, and just and just the colors of the leaves and stuff i was like oh yeah i'm i'm actually am in nature right now i'm not yeah. immersed in nature i'm not only in nature but nature is present and like it was oh, a sort that's... of challenged me to like yes. find the nature where i was too well so and she had said that like it's like nature in context right she even said that nature and i love that she said in context to where you live yeah. right and i think right. that's such a good point you don't need to go out into the middle of nowhere in the wilderness or the Rocky Mountains. Right. Like literally like, and of course yeah, exactly. that, it's very difficult for many of us to find a 90 minute walk we can do. But it's sort of right. like that thing, like when you work out with a heart rate, like just get your heart rate up for like a certain amount of time and it has the health benefits. I'm sure if you're out for 15 minutes, you're gonna start feeling the, the health benefits. Like you say. Oh, I, I'm 100% sure. Right, and just like that shift in your, your in your neurology like yeah we, like she was talking about in that parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system there's yeah. a shift when you're outside you're not just staring at your phone you're like looking that's around it. you know oh my gosh that's so true yeah, that's so true and yeah. speaking of phones she made that she said that quote and we'll put it in an audiogram yeah. for social media yeah. I, I think it was yeah. we are not built for the this life right. we're not built for right. She was saying we're not built to multitask Constantly. and i'm like sorry i thought that was right. born in right. every woman or lots of people like yeah but like, no no right. no and then we were talking about attention deficit which is a very real diagnosis and then we were talking about yeah. she was talking about like attention restoration so what can we do yeah. to restore yeah, that like again like we have access and i think even if you're outside feeling the breeze unless you're next to a stinky dumpster that's gross mm -hmm. but if you can yeah just clear a little bit of the head like get out feel the breeze even right feel air outside that the world is recycling right. for you that mother right. nature is literally breathing right. us right and right right be a squirrel or a chipmunk or hear a bird i mean that's all nature it might and you might have to like actually hone your senses a little more if you're not yeah. in the rocky mountains in right. you know in Essex find your park city or park. something you might have to actually you might have to actually look harder to find yeah. nature, which also yeah. is, that has also been proved, like bringing your attention in like that, in like that very specific way, actually also changes your brain too. So oh, yeah, like, yeah. it's right. actually, you can do it. There's ways to do it. It just might be a little harder. You might not yeah. have the assault of nature that sure. you have if you're For in sure. the middle of I just place, think, but, I but, agree. Yeah. And I agree. I think like any kind of, and I don't even think it needs to be 90 minutes a week. I think, no, I, 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 think, I, I think that's just what the study showed yeah, was no, no, a 90 minutes. It's again, I, I, like I, that I, reminder, I just to any it's kind of. It's a reset, of, even if it's. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So 
But again, I just wanted to go back to the rumination thing. Like I was even oh, yeah. thinking like, what if even in the default network, we, I, I, I didn't ask her this question because I was so stunned. I didn't even know what a default network was, but what if, yeah. what if that system spent unconscious time sort of steeping in the effects of nature instead of us um, steeping in our ruminations, right? And I think, yeah. I, I don't know, I just think, oh, she just offered so much and I'm so, I'm going to listen to this episode a few times because it's really going to take yeah. some some real time to like, it's like I said, we don't even know these things are happening in our own bodies, but. Uh, no, it's true. And, and, and I think the net net of all that too is that these little tiny things you can do to change your awareness and to bring yourself back to yourself um, are going to make a huge difference yeah. cumulatively. Like that's what this guy, uh, Mark Hyman talks about a lot is just like, just how that over time your stress levels will be lowered instead of constantly increasing and there's all these different ways that it it pays dividends for your health not just like well that was just good for now but tomorrow i'm going to be bad again no i think it does change your brain so um which makes sense anyway, it's just very like, it hopeful. Has like, hopeful, yeah, like but... very hopeful and very much like neurology does have to set new pathways you can grow your brain you can grow new pathways um yeah. So thank you again so much for to Jill um, for her time and her, her conversation. Just so critical um, all the time. This is just a, a, yeah. a fantastic thing to hear and know. Um, and for show notes and guest links to this episode, you can go to our website, kindredpodcast.co. You can also sign up for a newsletter, um, which we go over past episodes, present episodes, and other news and other sort of relevant articles. Um, subscribe to kindred podcast through your iphone and through our website you can go to our little yellow cup on there and buy me a coffee um and then follow us on instagram and facebook at the kindred pod again thank you so much please share this episode please 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 i feel like it's one of our most important episodes in a way because it really is getting the human to reconnect to the natural world in in a very um in a different way and i i just think it's i mean share please, please share them all but this this one also it leads to so yeah. many different things right i feel like this this yeah. this could have been our first episode we ever did this could have been uh ep1 but right uh, this is right right like the reason why it it all matters yeah, yeah. like it, it actually has this. direct benefits to us and our health yeah all of it Just, does but yeah. it's like we we should play this you know we should have this episode every first season so thank you everybody um, thank you jenny um we really appreciate everyone's support and keep emailing us and contacting us and connecting to us through instagram and facebook and uh we'll see you next time lots of love bye kindred is hosted by me and my sister jen produced by kat gaddy and myself Sound production and editing by Dan Cooper. Original music by Ellie Grace. And our kindred artwork was created by Lindsay Coffin. Please follow, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And feel free to contact us through our website at kindredpodcast.co, where you can also find details about Kindred Plus, our subscription service, as well as links to our social media accounts and show notes.